0: Hello and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomeson, and as always, it is my privilege to offer you some encouragement on the road that we call the Christian life. So I thank you for taking the time to listen, and I hope that if you are encouraged, you will share it with your family and friends. If it's your first time here, welcome. I'm glad to have you here. If you've listened for a long time, I'm thankful for you as well. Please make sure that you give me any feedback, which you would like to leave with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show, and I'm just excited that today, as we continue to unpack the unique attributes of Christianity, that we will talk about the unique attribute that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what do I mean by that? What I mean is that in the study of the religions of the world, you will find many religions where a prophet claims to speak for God and tell us how to live. But only one, Christianity, has God coming to us, taking on the form of a man, and showing us by example how to live. And I'm excited to dig into what the person of Jesus means to us as believers. But before we do that, let's talk about what is going on. Last week, I talked to you about the importance of voting no on Proposal 3 because of what it will codify into law as far as abortion rights and other things that are dangerous, especially for the minors among us in our state. And I told you that I would put a link to the full text of Proposal 3 on my blog. It took me a few days to do so, but that link is up there now. So if you go to speakingforhim.blogspot.com and click on the blog post entry for last week's episode, you can find that. And I would encourage you to look over that text if you have any doubts about what you are voting on when you vote For Proposal 3, and I hope that you will cast a vote for life by voting no. But as we continue to get closer to November 8th of 2022, the 2022 midterm elections, I thought it would be important to bring you another profile of a proposal, and that being Proposal two on this year's ballot.
1: Election day is seven weeks out and proposal two will be on the ballot. But what does that entail and what do voters need to know about it? Lauren Edwards joins us live in the control room to break down what's in it, Lauren.
2: Josh and Max, proposal two or prop two, as it's been called by many people, it's going to be on the ballot for the November 8th election. And I was in Lansing a few weeks ago when it was certified. People were clapping and cheering for it. But I can tell you also as well, not everyone is applauding their efforts.
0: All those in favor of the motion signified by saying aye. 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 And opposed. Motion carries four to zero.
3: The voters of Michigan really support protecting our voting rights and making our elections more secure. That's what Prop 2 will do, says Sharon of promote the vote. She says it's a constitutional amendment that'll expand voting rights in the state's constitution. Currently, the right to vote is not expressly protected in the Michigan Constitution, and Proposal 2 would change that. Um, So that just, you know, makes sure that voters can vote free of harassment, interference, or intimidation. It'll also expand access to military and overseas voters. So Proposal 2 will give them six additional days if their ballot is postmarked by Election Day and arrives in the in the six days after. And their ballots
2: will be counted. The proposal will also allow for nine days of in-person early voting and for people
3: to verify their identities by using a photo ID or signed statement. It would enshrine our current and effective voter ID system into our Michigan Constitution. So um, nobody, you know, no, no courts or, uh, again, elected officials could tamper with that in the future. That is what Secure My Vote says is the problem.
2: It's going to make it so, one, the Constitution will state that you never have to show an ID to vote ever again. Jeffrey Litton of Secure My Vote, the main group in opposition to Prop 2, says people should need a state ID or a Social Security number in order to vote. The second major thing is that any private individual, billionaire, corporate uh corporation special interest any of them can donate as much money to any private uh, any, any clerk in the state. He says the group, which was formed in 2021 and is nonpartisan, believes this should not be allowed. They're also concerned about incarcerated felons voting, which he says they shouldn't be allowed to do until they are out of prison. He says the group too, wants a safe and secure election. However, when it comes to Prop 2, they say you've got to read the fine print. We want every legal voter to be able to have the right to vote. But our issue is that there's so many other things in this proposal that are going to change our Constitution permanently. So again, Prop 2 will be on the November 8th ballot. If you want to know more about each group, you can head to fox17online.com or click on our mobile app. Reporting live here in Control Room, Lauren Edwards, Fox 17
0: News. Much like what I said last week with Proposal 3, I think the main issue that I have with Proposal 2 is that there is a lot of issues hidden in the bowels, if you will, of this proposal. I really don't think that nine days of early voting is good for voter integrity. One of the roles of people at the polls is to collect the votes, then to count the votes, then to turn them in in an official manner. And I feel like having nine days of early voting is not conducive to that. Uh, Not to mention the fact that because we recently passed a law which allows you to apply for and use an absentee ballot on any day up to and including Election Day, I find it very unnecessary to pass this law. And I think one of the problems that we have with the way people go about making laws today is that they seem to come up with problems which really do not exist. It's always been relatively easy uh, to get out and vote. Anybody can qualify basically for a Michigan state ID. Even if you can't qualify for a license, you can qualify for a state ID, and that is sufficient when you go to the polls. I think it's important for people to know, that the people who are voting not only are legal voters, but also are living voters. And so I I really think that the way we have the vote laid out here in Michigan is pretty solid and that some of the things that are provisions of this ballot proposal are dangerous. For instance, this ballot proposal seems to allow for the idea of felons voting while they are in prison. And one of the things that you lose when you become a felon is the right to vote. And I think that that is an important part of a felon's punishment is to not have the right to vote. The right to vote is a privilege that we have as American and Michigan citizens. And as I said, it's fairly easy to exercise that vote. I always think it's a little bit ridiculous when we say that ID shouldn't be needed when it comes to voting when we need it for virtually everything else. We need ID to uh, go to the doctor. Uh, We need ID to prove that we have insurance. We need ID to get alcohol. We need ID to get certain paints at the store. We need ID to get firearms. So why would we not need ID to vote? I just think it's very reasonable uh, to need ID, and I think that in a lot of ways this ballot, much like Proposal 3, preys on the naivete of the voter, and I would urge you once again to read up on it before you make a decision regarding this ballot proposal. The next thing I want to talk to you about is this idea of American nationalism. I've addressed it in the past on this podcast. I know certain people have accused conservative Christians who care about the vote and want to speak out on the issues as being American nationalists, and they take it as a bad thing because in their mind you're putting America above Christianity. But I really don't think that that is the case. And I really appreciated what Heidi St. John had to say about this on a recent episode of her podcast, Off the Bench.
4: Where does the word come from? And so I actually looked it up on Wikipedia. So no one could say, well, you found that at Christian.com or whatever, right? So here's what Wikipedia says. Nationalism is an idea and a movement that holds that a nation should be congruent with the state. Hmm. As a movement, this is important. As a movement, nationalism tends to promote the interests of a particular nation, especially with the aim of gaining and maintaining the nation's sovereignty. In other words, self-governance over its homeland to create a nation state. Nationalism holds that each nation should govern itself free from outside interference, which is self-determination. And uh, that a nation is a natural and ideal basis for a polity and that the nation is the only rightful source of political power. So the nation has a right to self-governance, to determine our own future, determine what our own identity is going to be, and that we as a nation are the only rightful source of political power over our nation. Well, so far, I mean, you guys, this is Wikipedia. And so far, I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's a good thing. Anybody with anyone who loves the country that they live in should be a nationalist because we should want what is good for our country and good for our citizens. We don't want to be in a position where we could be invaded or where our, our, our nation is soft and we can't defend ourselves and we can no longer govern ourselves. Listen, we left England to be free. And here we are in the United States, one of the most freest nations on the face of the earth. And all of a sudden Christians are like, oh, no, 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 I'm not a nationalist. Uh, then you should move and go find a country that you love and there be a nationalist. Because if you love the country, you should be, I think you should be a nationalist. Here's Wikipedia goes on to say it further aims to build and maintain a single national identity based on a combination of shared characteristics, such as culture, ethnicity, geographic, geographic location, language, politics, religion, traditions, and belief in a shared singular history and to promote national unity or national solidarity. Again, I see nothing wrong with this, right? As an American, as a citizen of the United States, I know a lot of you listening are my friends across the pond, and I know that you have an incredible sense of national identity. And we saw this come out with the death of Queen Elizabeth, right? Where hundreds of thousands of people lined the streets to mourn the death of a monarch who had really shaped a nation and given you a sense of national identity. That makes you, wait for it, a nationalist and for some reason that's a bad thing let's continue that nationalism therefore seeks to preserve and foster a nation's traditional culture have you noticed that the left is hell bent on destroying our history destroying our culture they want to destroy everything that is traditional about the fan- about this nation including the traditional family including the roles of male and female and it is it is so wrong for us to sit back and just go, yeah, that's okay. You know, sure. You know, if I want to self-identify as a baboon tomorrow, I guess that's okay. And the school's going to have to make for me, you know, a bed out of straw or whatever baboons like when I come to school, because after all, I see myself as a baboon. That is exactly the same thing as saying that Heidi St. John self-identifies as a man. I'm clearly not a man. And if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I think that would be obvious, right? So I'm a woman. And to identify as a man is patently false. It's a lie. And the left wants you to embrace a lie because they are committed. And remember, Black Lives Matter said this on their website before they were called out and took it down. They were committed to dismantling the nuclear family. In other words, whatever is traditional about the family.
0: I would really encourage you to check out Heidi St. John and her Off the Bench podcast She is very astute, and she has a lot of good guests talking about a lot of important topics. And I know that some people get cringy whenever I talk about these issues on the podcast, but I think that I have conveyed before that one of the reasons why political issues matter so much to me is because behind every political issue is a moral issue. And that is one of the reasons why I feel the need to stand in the gap and say, These are the moral issues that we need to stand on. And so we need to champion causes and policies and candidates that stand for the things that are biblical, that stand for the things that are right. Why? Because when I stand for life or when I stand for the sanctity of the nuclear family, as Heidi was talking about, and people ask me why, then I can say, well, Here's why, because I follow the Lord Jesus Christ and because he made these things to be foundational to a good society. As the family goes, so goes society. Families are crumbling, so society is in a mess. It really is that simple. On a more encouraging note, I, every once in a while, will come across a video that I just can't wait to share with you because it touches my heart and this is one of those times Walker Hayes is a country singer who has a powerful testimony and I recently ran across a video of him talking about the things or more particularly the person that made a difference when it came to him coming To faith in Christ. He put the
1: fancy in country music. Walker Hayes' viral TikTok video amassed nearly 40 million views and nearly 100 million on YouTube. Though stardom may have happened overnight, Walker's success took time. After playing his first gig in their hometown of Mobile, Alabama in 2004, Walker and his wife, Lainey, decided to go all in for a career in country music. I just said, well, you know, what do you think about moving to Nashville?
3: I was dead set that he was going to make it, and I would be shocked if he didn't.
1: In 2010, he charted his first song, Pants. As his career ramped up, so did his drinking. When did you notice that your drinking was actually a problem? I had
5: my first beer when I was 13. And I remember being a different person because of that in my hand. As a songwriter, it, it was no, no one looked at me like, hey, it's 11 in the morning. You, you sure you want to go to that
1: bar, you know, right now and crack it? I mean, that that's just, that's what we did. One cold Saturday in January 2014, Laney met Laura Cooper, who invited Laney and their family to a Saturday night church service where her husband, Craig, was the pastor. Walker had had a few drinks, but he agreed to go. He walked in the doors and Walker says the first thing I said to him was, glad you're here. I was just grateful that they showed up. Over the next few years, Pastor Craig Cooper and Walker became close friends. Though Walker still wanted nothing to do with religion. You considered yourself an atheist. Yeah. What did you specifically have against Christianity? My dad
5: was a former music minister before he was a real estate agent. You know, I
1: saw a lot of hurt in that church. In 2015, Walker lost his record deal and had their family van repossessed by the label. Discouraged about his career and with five kids at the time, Walker began working an overnight shift at Costco. That's when Craig decided to give their family van to Walker. Their unconditional love—it was so different from what we were used to. In 2016, Walker signed a new contract with Monument Records. The next year, he wrote and recorded a song called "Craig." But Craig,
6: I get so now he can't.
1: Craig had been dealing with his own discouragement in ministry. The song affected him deeply. It's one of the greatest expressions of kindness that I have ever received. And it hit right at the heart of what's most important to me, and that's my relationship with Jesus. And I felt God himself like singing over me through my unbelieving friend. Wow. One day, Walker surprised Craig with a thought. Walker said, I will believe there's a God if I could stop drinking. So he just started praying that God would take the desire for alcohol away from him. And uh, boy, he did.
3: When he quit on that Saturday, it wasn't, it wasn't with the intent of, I'm done drinking. It just was one day he wasn't drinking, and then the next day he didn't, and then the next day, and it's miraculous that he stopped that way.
1: In 2018, tragedy struck the Hayes family as their daughter Oakley died shortly after birth. I found myself screaming at a
5: guy that I didn't believe was there. I would stand out in my driveway and just yell at someone. That was a confusing point, you know, in my life.
1: I had prayed previously, Lord, to do whatever you need to do to draw him to you. And so I had this, I'm like, Lord, is that what, you know, what you had to do? And that was hard.
0: So you see so far in this story, Walker Hayes is trying to ride this wave into success in country music. Um, and then he loses his record deal. He befriends this pastor Craig and Craig shows him love, shows him God. And as a result, he writes Craig this song and he continues a friendship with Craig, but he still doesn't want to have anything to do with God. And he's still struggling with drinking. Then, Craig prays that he will lose his desire for drink, and eventually he does. And then, as he's still struggling with faith and whether to trust God, he loses his daughter, Oakley, as a young baby. So tragedy has struck, and he has even less reason to believe in the goodness of God. And this story just really wrecked me in the best way, because I... I remember that feeling when my baby brother died. I'm like, how can I trust a God who takes my baby brother from me? But as we'll see in the remainder of this story, God showed up.
1: Oakley's death caused Walker to desire a change. That had a lot to do with my despair,
5: you know, my desire for a cure for myself, you know,
1: from the disease of me. Walker told Laney he craved transformation and rest.
5: I went and got a Bible and just started reading and reading and reading.
3: The kids and I would come downstairs in the mornings. He was usually the first one up and he'd be sitting at the end of the kitchen counter reading the Bible. And it was amazing to watch the the transformation and the, just the power of the Holy Spirit through him in that season was, it was incredible
1: walker had given his life to christ and couldn't wait to share the news with craig i said i believe and i said you believe what do you what do you believe i believe it all it's like are you telling me that you believe that jesus is the son of god and that you want to live your life for him he said that's exactly what i'm saying i was like Together, Walker and Craig have written a New York Times best-selling book, Glad You're Here, about an unlikely friendship and the love of God. Currently, Walker is headlining a tour. He hopes his life proclaims one simple message. I'm sure if you look on my Instagram right
5: now, there's a lot of people that say things like, I want a family like that, and that's not what I want to say. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that look at my life and say, Oh, if I just keep on going, I can, my dream will come true. And that's not what I want to say either. I wish my life said all, all I ever want is, is just Jesus. That's it.
0: Jesus. That's it. I love the end of that story because that is really what it's all about. Jesus gives me the power to live my daily life Jesus is the reason why speaking for him has been around for more than 10 years now. It's all about Jesus, and what a great lead-in to our topic today. Now I'm going to do something that I don't often do, and that is I'm going to play for you a whole song. The song that was referenced in this story, Craig, is a powerful testimony to the difference that one man can make when he is led by the power of Jesus. So without further ado, here is Craig by Walker Hayes.
6: I'm at Craig at a church called redeeming grace. Like he understood my I don't want to be here face I felt out of place And I smelled like beer But he just shook my hand Said I'm glad you're here He says we'll all be judged But he was never judgmental And even though my songs don't belong in no hymnal, He quote me my lyrics slapped me on the back he Said man you gotta guess How you write like that Yeah I know He sounds cool right Not your typical kid from Sunday school right I still ain't figured out church yet But Craig I get now he can't walk on water or turn a apple Valley red, but he just might be tight with a man that did. Now he's not the light of the world, but I wish that mine was bright as his, yeah, he just might be tight with a man that did. A record deal Yeah, all the perks fade fast Dealership said We're gonna need to get That minivan back So we were down in one car And broke as I felt And my wife and six kids And only five seatbelts I needed help But couldn't admit I was struggling I said, Craig, it's all good But you knew it all wasn't Hey man, I'm praying for you would've been sufficient, but nah. He took roadside assistance to a whole nother level. The sacrificial heights showed up at the ballpark after my son's game one night in two cars with his wife Laura watching from the other. I said, what in the world are y'all doing here, brother? He just laughed inside that old price of town, a country man With the keys and the title, and a pen in the sand man, all you gotta do is sign in it, yard. I said, Nah, no, no way, but he wouldn't take no for an answer He said, please do Somebody did this for me once, just let me do this for you We argued about it for a little while And I teared up, and Craig smiled Yeah, I know, he sounds cool, right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? He can't walk on water or turn an apple valley red. But he just might be tight with a man that did. Now he's not the light of the world, but I wish that mine was bright as his. Yeah, he just might be tight with a man that did. I was way too ashamed to be adequately grateful at the moment but i signed the dotted line and i drove the kids home and when a cop pulled up beside us at the light they didn't have to duck because thanks to craig they were all buckled up
0: And I've listened to that song several times and it still gets me choked up. Uh, that's the kind of man that I want to be. I want to be able to be Craig to others and more importantly, be Jesus. And I hope that this encourages you to be Jesus to others as well. As I've said many times on this show, I'm always looking for more opportunities to do more interviews with more people, and definitely it sounds like from what I know of his story that Walker Hayes would be a good person to interview here. So who knows what door God may open. Just continue to pray that speaking for him will be there to go through any doors that he has for us as far as the interviews that we can do to continue to showcase God's faithfulness. And if you have a story that you want to share with us, we would be glad to listen to that story. Today, as we continue on our unique attributes of Christianity series, we come to the unique attribute of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, many religions have people that speak for God, but only one has the one who claimed to be God himself, and that is Jesus Christ. He said before Abraham was, I am. Not I was, but I am, because he transcends time. Well, let's dig into this topic together, shall we? And let's start with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from Colossians one seventeen and 19, and it says, "...and he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body of the church." Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And I thought that this was a good way to kick off this discussion because it talks about how Jesus made the world and also that he is the head of the church and that he also is Was and always will be the fullness of God. So anyone that tells you that there are no evidences that Jesus was God in the Bible, point them to this scripture among many. So as we jump off into this topic, what is the most important thing for us to understand? The significance of Jesus in a believer's life is that he is God in the flesh. If someone does not believe Jesus is God, they cannot be a believer. It is a fundamental tenet of our faith. Colossians 2, 9, and 10 says, For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Whatever evil we are facing, it is under the control of Jesus. He is the bodily form of God himself, and he has all the power we need to succeed in this life. We are complete in him. He is the head of the church for whom he gave himself on the cross. The next thing that I want to consider with you is that Jesus is a man. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. In order for Jesus to intercede for us on the cross, he had to become one of us. In 1 John, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus dwelt among us. And something that I often say in my sermons is you'll never understand the word of God, as in the written word, until you can understand the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, and have a personal relationship with him. That is the key to the Christian life. And this is such an encouraging passage to me because this tells me that I don't need to go to a priest to confess my sins. I don't need to ask other people to intercede for me because I already have a mediator and that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that needs to stand between me and God the Father. The third point that I want to bring out is Jesus is our example. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. When he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed, for ye were as sheep gone astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls second peter two twenty one to twenty five and this is a longer passage of Scripture, but it's full of so much wisdom. First of all, Christ suffered for us, and he left us an example to follow in his steps. Paul said, I want to know him through the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh, and so Paul knew that suffering was an important part of the Christian journey. If Jesus suffered, so shall we. But he also knew that we would experience the power of Christ's resurrection, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. And then it talks about how he responded to the pressures of life. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Remember, this is one who did no sin So his response is going to be a righteous response. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree. So isn't it wonderful for us to know that we have a problem and Jesus provides the solution. Not only does he provide the solution, but he is the solution. You know, From a human perspective, we could say, well, God could give us a hundred things that were very hard for us to do and actually next to impossible for us to do, but none of them would have reached his standard of perfection. The only thing that could be done is for Jesus himself to raise us to his standard. I think I mentioned on this podcast before that that is a significant part of Christianity as well, that God didn't lower his standard to allow sin into his heaven. No, rather than that, he lowered Jesus to us so that Jesus could live up to his standard and impart to us his righteousness. And then after he bears our sins in his own body on the tree, so that we can live righteously, we are healed, that is, our spirits are made righteous by his stripes. And then we are turned from sheep gone astray to those who are able to follow our shepherd. But there's nothing in us by ourselves. That gives us the power to do that. The only power we have to do that is through the Lord Jesus. So Peter's really laying it all out there for us. And he's quite the contrast to the Peter of the Gospels, who is always running off his mouth in stupid ways or running away from trouble because he is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The next significant thing about Jesus for us as believers is that Jesus is our salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Notice it doesn't say there is one other name. It doesn't say there are some other names. It says there is no other name. The only way we can be saved is through the name of Jesus. That is so important for each of us to consider and understand as we go through this Christian life. If we trust Jesus, we will be saved. If we trust anything else, we will not. And then finally, as we wrap up this important topic, Jesus is risen and coming again. This is the ultimate source of power for the person of Jesus Christ, is that he did the work for us on the cross, that it was accomplished, and that God approved of it and gave us the exclamation point of the resurrection to prove it. The first passage I want to read about that is in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Paul says, For I have delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and then he was buried, and then he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. So we see Paul giving the simple, complete gospel. Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Those three things are what secure my eternal life. And then, Acts chapter 1 says this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. And that's Acts 1, to 8-11. And in this passage, Jesus is talking to them before he goes to heaven, and he says, You'll receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus is in an expanding program of evangelism. That is what he's kicking off here. He says, start at home and then branch out. And one of the reasons that we see persecution in the early church is because they were all in Jerusalem, and Jesus wanted to get the word out, so he used persecution to scatter them. And his word was fulfilled, and they became witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. And after he spoke these things, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. I can only imagine what it must have been like to be there that day to be among those apostles and to watch Jesus go up from you. Another thing that he had said to them around this time was, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So they had the confidence to know that he would be with them always. Um, He was with them bodily, and then he was with them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then they get a promise says while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel which also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven so these disciples are promised that Jesus is going to come back in much the same way that they had seen him go into heaven he was going to come back from heaven now I'm sure some of them thought that it would happen during their lifetimes, and he has still not come more than two thousand years later, but we read in the Psalms that to the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. He transcends time, which is why he said, as I referenced earlier, before Abraham was, I am. Time means nothing to the Lord. Um he is coming. We can be confident in that as we walk through this life. Well, I hope that as we have looked at the person of the Lord Jesus, that it has been encouraging to you today to consider him. Uh, he is altogether lovely. He is faithful. He has done great things in my life, and I believe that he can do great things in your life. When he left the disciples to go into heaven, He left them the Holy Spirit. It did come on the day of Pentecost, and Peter was able to mightily preach the gospel because of the Holy Spirit. The same Peter physically that had run in shame after denying Christ was emboldened by the Holy Spirit to speak for Christ and to let them know that the lame man was healed by the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And he did not back down. And he was later martyred for the faith because the power of the Holy Spirit gave him the courage to stand for truth. So by way of quick review, as we consider the person of Jesus Christ, we looked at the fact that he is God. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means there's no part of Jesus that isn't God. He's a 100% God, we looked at that he is man, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. We talked about how it was important for Jesus to become a man so that he could intercede on our behalf. We talked about how Jesus is our example, how he lived a righteous life and showed us how he wants us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how we were once as sheep led astray, but now we have been led back to the Good Shepherd who is caring for our souls. And then we have the fact that Jesus is our salvation. This is so important because there are many people today that say there are many ways to God, but the Bible tells us there's only one way to God. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that is the name of Jesus. And then finally, we looked at how Jesus is risen and coming again. The reason that the speaking for him podcast can go forth every single week is because we believe in the fact that the God that we serve is not a dead God, but a living God who will come again soon to take his church home and that it is our job to be faithful to share the word of God until such time as he does come again. So again, if this is something that has encouraged your heart and you want other people to hear it, would you please share it? Might I encourage you to pick at least one or two people to share it with this week. If you're listening and you find it encouraging, take the opportunity to direct them to my website, speakingforhim.com, that's com, or any number of podcast services, and then they can find Speaking For Him and find weekly encouragement on the journey of the Christian life. Before I go, I just wanted to let you know, for those of you who are local to the West Michigan area, Particularly Grand Rapids tickets are on sale for a Christmas carol by Master Arts Theater in which production I will be portraying the ghost of Christmas present. So you can go to MasterArts.org and get tickets for this wonderful classic Christmas story. I'm excited to be portraying this wonderful character and I hope to see many of you who are local out to have a wonderful time this holiday season. Well, that's about all I have time for this week. I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters.